Jordy Sullivan, the fight dietitian, back on the show. What's going on, man? It's good to get you on. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Second time round, eh? Get a frequent fly card after this one. <laughs> man, you know, I've been wanting to get you back on for a long time, but it just, just you know, you, you're, you're, you're busy, man. Just tell me, like, what has happened since the last time we talked because you've been everywhere. Yeah, when we talked last, I think it was probably like 12 months ago, getting close yeah. to that because yeah. I'm pretty sure we were running that, that test team with Shannon. We were talking about that quite a bit. Hey, so... um. Yeah, lots have happened. So, um, like that was last February, I guess. Um, yeah, like lots of UFC shows, lots of um, local shows. Teams gotten a lot bigger. All the boys just arrived. Actually, it's kind of crazy. Like, there's a, all the team is like just hey, right. hey. So, so it's no longer just uh, just me running around with meals and and running around like a crazy headless chook. So it's a lot more efficient, a lot more easier nowadays, which is good. Yeah, man, it's. It's uh, it's incredible to see what you have done in the last eleven months or so, from being just the operation almost basically on your own to now you just have this huge team of how many people you have? We've got we got eight at the moment. So yeah, eight, that's team eight. eight. That's a lot of people, man, working alongside yeah, yeah. and you know handling. How many fighters you got uh the, the next couple of weeks that you're doing their diet? Oh man, so. For this week, we've got Brad, Kai, we're looking after Dan, and there's a bunch of other boys at City Kickboxing that we're doing as well. They've got on the Eternal card. Uh, we've got uh, Casey's fighting over in Perth. Oh, man, I'll get my tracker up. There, there's quite a few. we got Diego Pereira. He's fighting in Eternal. Shannon Ross is uh, defending his belt. We've got, oh, man, Stax. Uh, We've got some kickboxers running to us. Sanchai, one of the uh, OGs from City Kickboxing's coming back. Aaron Towsam Up's coming back for King in the Ring. Uh, we got heaps of people, man. So XFC, Eternal, UFC, all over the place. Shuriken. There's a, yeah, there's a lot going on lately. Um, just looking back at the last year, describe, you know, like what has what has what it has been for you to be able to grow into what you have what you have right now and, and you know it's growing bigger and bigger by the day um just just retrospect like did you imagine like it being at this point right now yeah I, i'd describe it as stressful that's for sure but um, <laughs> yeah i'm not too sure i knew i like i always thought it was i knew there was a market for it i definitely knew i'd, I'd saw how other teams had had done it and I guess like a lot of what I preach now is like, and I think people because of the client list has kind of grown and we've got some pretty um, big name guys on there. I kind of say nowadays it's, it's, there's something I think about the company that attracts these guys that, that keeps them coming over. And I think a big thing is that like my focus and I tell the whole team, it's like the focus is on making these guys better athletes and using performance nutrition to get a better performance, not using nutrition as a tool for losing weight, which most fighters do. So yeah, man, it's, it's crazy to look back on like retrospectively, it's been a lot of, lot of work. Like there's been a lot of work and a lot of traveling, a lot of flying, lots of different countries and long, long hours. But yeah, it's really cool to see where it's got to. And it's really cool to see the combat community and, and coaches and athletes and enthusiasts really get behind it and kind of embrace you know that side of it and kind of get rid of that whole old school mentality especially around making weight and weight cutting and just improving their general know-how about nutrition yeah um 
you know, you have the knowledge. There's no doubt about that. Just talk about just talk about how important networking is. Yeah, well, I guess that's everything, right? Like you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you got nowhere to apply it to, it doesn't doesn't do a lot. So yeah, man, absolutely. Like I think networking is huge, and that was like a big thing for me. I remember when I got like my first UFC fighter that I took through the fight dietitian, like Ben Win, and we went down. That was only in 2018, 2018, and Ben Win took me to um to a UFC show. We went down there, and then through him. You know, we met other guys like I remember meeting Tyson Pedro and then meeting like Kai Kara France, which kind of started that whole inward journey with city kickboxing. And then, you know, Brenton Mumford was a, a guy I was working on with very early, who was a you know close training partner with Brad Riddell. And that's how I met Brad. And then I started working with Brad and, you know, two years later now, Brad's, you know, we're working together for the UFC, same with Kai. So it's, um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's these little networks that, you kind of have to, I think at the time you don't realize the importance of it, but, but yeah, looking back on it retrospectively, they're so important. <laughs> yeah. The, the word of mouth and, and recommendations, it's just huge for someone in, in your business because there's so many, you know, people out there doing what you do, but to be one of the elite, elite, elite out of the elites, it's very hard. And networking is a key factor. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just, I think a lot of my networking is done kind of through like a thirst for knowledge, to be honest. Like I, I kind of have the theory that you should never settle with what you know. And if you, if you very get comfortable with that, that when you kind of start to slip off. So like I run the podcast as well and I've had, you know, lots and lots of guests that come on and all we talk about is combat sports nutrition. And these are guys that are far, far, far smarter than I am. And it's just awesome for me because I can kind of sit back. It's like I'm sitting in lectures every you know twice a week that these like experts in all these fields come on and then they share their knowledge with me that's like the really cool thing about like 2020 is that there's you know in australia in western australia dr oliver barley is running a combat sports specific research group in in dublin ireland we've got dr brendan egan and his research group and john connor's just released the first paper that looks at bath cutting like water water weight cutting in a bath in a scientific realm and, you know, I get to talk to him. You know, you got guys over at Liverpool, John Moores, like James Morton and Dr. Carl Langan Evans, who are doing all this awesome research and how you go about structuring a fight camp and putting how you feed this fighter not to get any metabolic disturbances and you give them the most calories you can not to get any um, anything go wrong with their hormones or their metabolism. And I kind of get all that knowledge from them because they want to they want to put it out there and give it out to the world and I want to take it in. And that's great because I get to put it in hear it and play a bit of a middleman and then directly apply it to my fighters. So yeah, man, it's cool. There's a really cool community of um, combat sports nutrition professionals. And I think we're all kind of coming together now and you're starting to see the results of it. I think the, in terms of nutrition, like I said earlier, like making weight, it's really progressing and it's progressing pretty fast. What do you, <laughs> I don't know if we talked about this last time, but uh, in the nutritionist, dietitian world there's uh, there's one of the biggest beefs going on you know it's like in behind the scenes you know you know what i'm talking about right with uh with mike Dolce and uh george lockhart you ever uh, watch yeah, some of those yeah. videos like when they're saw, talking um, mostly yeah, Dolce, I, I think yeah I, I know i know mike like yeah he gets i don't to be honest man like i kind of put my blinkers on with this this is like mm -hmm. a rule and i and i everyone in the team i kind of say like 
with like there, like you said, there's lots of guys going on, lots of different opinions. Like just put your blinkers on. Like I don't follow any of those guys on social media. It's just like focus on our work and do what we do. But I have seen that someone has shown me where where Mike was like calling out George and I don't know, bro. Like they're both kind of beastie, hey? Like I don't know. That would be interesting. I think Mike was saying that he like wanted to um, duke it out with him, but like <laughs> I don't know. George George is a big guy, bro, and like I don't know. Dolce is pretty big. That'd be interesting. I don't know if it ever came to fruition, but yeah, that was pretty funny, hey. Yeah, because, you know, you you basically will run into these guys at UFCs and other guys that are doing diets for other fighters. And, and the best scenario is for you to be able to meet with them and talk with them and, sh- like you said, share the knowledge and, and, and expand and, and, and benefit the fighters. At the end of the day, it's about the fighters. It's not about, you know, like who's bigger and who's more famous than the next person. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's like at the end of the day, like you are running a business, but – I think especially when you're talking about like nutrition and weight carrying, a lot of people kind of see this and they think, oh, it's just this like easy process, but it's not like there's a lot that goes into it. And like, there's a big gap I find at the moment from like the research that's very new, that's getting put out and then translating that into, into practice. And like, I like to think that I'm kind of positioned myself as this middleman between the research and the guys in the trenches. But you know, there's lots of guys who come in lots of teams that work with UFC athletes and they do excellent jobs in the trenches, but may not be as informed with the research. But then there's researchers that are really up there, but they don't really know what it's like to be in the sauna or in the bar. So it's like, to me, I just like playing the middleman, right? Like you can learn so much from these guys over here and you can learn so much from here. But like you said, at the end of the day, it's about keeping the fighters safe. It's about making sure that they're healthy for the long term and making sure, like more importantly, when they go on that octagon on fight night, you're sending the best version of that person in there. All right, let's get into some of the fighters that you've been working with. The The last one that I know of is uh, Justin Taffa. He's done yeah. two camps with you, right? Uh, three camps now. Three, three camps, camps now. okay. Okay, yeah. before he went to the UFC, he actually worked yeah, with yeah. you. And yeah. talk about his diet and, and, you know, as a heavyweight, because, you know, most people think heavyweights, what diet do they need? They're, they, they're three, six, 265. They're, they just eat and they, they train, but I'm pretty sure there's something to go. There's something about it. Like what you have to feed them, uh, during camp, during fight week, you know, it's particularly for Justin, what adjustments have you made for him? Cause in his last performance, man, he just looked like he was just light on his feet. He was sharper, yeah. Yeah, Tafa is amazing, bro. He is one of the most most athletic heavyweights that I've ever seen. It's funny, way back um, when, me and Justin actually used to train at the same gym in like the north side of Brisbane. It was like, yeah, it's funny, and then it's all come full circle. But Tafa, man, he eats like a lot. And the, the focus like on heavyweights, yeah, we, we cut a little bit of weight, but 10% of body weight for a heavyweight isn't that hard to lose. So it's like comes off very easy. What I kind of focus on with them is not really that weight descent it's recovery and performance around their training so you like you think about it they're quite a lot heavier that's a lot more load and pressure going through their joints and like two big boys wrestling like there's going to be more internal damage than the two smaller guys going at it so it's really focusing on that recovery outside training so making sure before training they're getting the right fuel to fuel that particular training session afterwards they're getting in there replacing those carbohydrates and those proteins like justin spends a half his camp at um, Tiger Muay Thai, where it's like very, very intense and he gets a lot of good wrestling in. 
that's a very intense type environment. You really got to fuel that properly and focus on that recovery. And outside of that, you're also looking at like what their water intake, are they rehydrating properly? Is he getting enough sleep? Like what's his stress level doing? Even having like access to those foods and he's really good about it. And yeah, and then he, yeah, he spends the last bit of his camp at City Kickboxing, which is one of the most, um, most high volume based gyms in the world. And like they obviously have world-class the best in the world sparring partners training partners that you can have so yeah justin's fueling strategy is really focused on each training session and then making sure he's recovering from that as best as he can the weight like the weight doesn't it's not that big of an issue it's really about performance session by session so so the weather and the the, the type of training that they're under and the the maybe even a particular uh, martial art that they're training it all affects the diet yeah thailand's a great example for the weather because it's so hot and humid and you see this as guys we do what's called like a sodium sweat test where they pretty much get in a room and they just pedal on a bike a scientist like swabs them and you can see how much sodium they lose and some guys are real sodium sweaters and some guys aren't and like especially at places with at like tiger muay thai not only are you losing a lot of fluid you're losing a lot of salt with that. And the thing is, if you just put water back in, it's not not that ideal because you dilute the salt that you already have in your body. So you've got to be putting those electrolytes back in. So when he's over in Tiger, you know, we're making sure that we're refueling and putting those electrolytes in during those longer sessions. You know, a big wrestling session at Tiger Muay Thai is, it, you know, very different to like if they're doing their recovery session or like their Saturday conditioning is pretty intense. So You've really got to dial in those numbers and, you know, using things like heart rate monitors and assessing RPE throughout, and even how he's feeling throughout those sessions. Like, did that sit well in your gut? Like, can you do that? Can we possibly push it to the limit and get a bit more? Like, did that water sit well when you got through? Can you handle that electrolyte? Like, it seems kind of over the top when you, when you talk about it out loud, but for these guys, it's so intense and it's so volume-based. You've got to make sure every session that they're improving just that little bit and nutrition plays such a huge role in that. So making sure you're on top of it constantly in communication is really important. Yeah. It's, it's they're professional athletes. You have to do mm. everything that other sports are doing. And, and I think that the nutrition aspect is, is kind of like the last part that every fighter's adding to their arsenal, I guess, or adding to their regimen. And uh, I think a lot of fighters are seeing the benefits of that. And, and even the fighters from five years ago that were doing it a long time ago before everybody else, they, they're the ones who were at the top of the division for a, a long period of time. Yeah, man, it's like funny. It's, I always talk like nutrition. It's hard to say. Like you take two guys and it's like, oh, this guy looked at his nutrition and this guy didn't. Is that necessarily going to make him a better fighter? I think we don't know. Like it's hard to say. But like you said, they're professional athletes and that mindset of the professional athlete is like, well, I don't want to take that risk. Like I want to do everything I can to make sure I have every single possible advantage over that opponent. And getting that nutrition right is really important, especially like when it comes to like that making weight process. Like you said, guys, five years ago, probably doing it a little funny. Now we've got it so dialed in. It's like, it's not even like just about making weight or performing well. It's like we can dial it into like get specific metabolic advantages like okay we want to make you more explosive so we're going to feed you this particular way or we need you more fat adapted for this one because we ran these tests and saw you weren't you were too carbohydrate dependent we need you to be a bit more fat dependent to enhance your recovery between rounds so you can get really really tricky with it 
and it's those extra 1% or even 0.1%. And maybe for the everyday guy like you and me just rocking up to our JITS comps, and that's probably not going to be big. When you're talking about these top 10 UFC fighters, that could be the difference between winning and losing. And most guys want to make sure they've got that advantage on their side. With Kai, he's been with you for a bunch of camps now. Now, is it just you know you know him so well now to the point where you know exactly what to do every single week or do you still make adjustments throughout camp kai has taken up so much space on my uh, hard drive with his <laughs> spreadsheets it's ridiculous so like for all these guys it's just about data right like the more data you get on them the better you understand their body like i always say like the data tells a story so it's like for every session kai does throughout the last five camps i have what he burned in every single session and i've got it written down on a spreadsheet and to see where that correlates where he is at the that time of camp and then what we need to feed him and how we need to adjust next week we've got a pretty good idea like me and kai have this process down down pat pretty well i but i always think there's ways to get better there's always a way to improve like make them wait for me and kai like we figured that out two three camps ago like right now it's all about okay where do you want to be where does eugene want you to be like metabolically what's the game plan and how can i assist that it's not so much about making weight it's like me and kai are really dialing in it's like how do we get kai kai france to go super saiyan one two three every every single camp so yeah kai's kai's a good case because he's so disciplined and he sticks to the plan and he's so determined like he's one of the easiest guys to work with and he makes the whole process very easy all right brad he is uh, a new addition this is the first time or the second time you're working with him i actually started working with brad quite a while ago i think like okay. end of 2018 like we did a couple okay. camps together like before he was um in the ufc so we had a pretty pretty good relationship with each other we knew like i guess the whole thing with brad's like i never really copped as much media attention for any other fighter like everyone had this idea that brad was so big and that he'd never fought at lightweight and to be honest like brad is just he's such a determined guy like he's such an interesting guy to work with because he's so on top of it and like i always say like he's probably the only guy i've ever worked with that followed like the post-fight diet like i give everyone like this post-fight diet to come out and to make sure like hormones balance out and like no one really follows it but brad actually did and he's paying dividends for this camp like last camp he kind of banged on about how easy it was and i was like yeah it's good but we were still like just putting numbers in that spreadsheet and for this one, like, you know, we went over to, he flew over to the UFC PI when um, me, Volk, and Kai were over there. And we went through all the testing through there and got a really good understanding of how Brad's metabolism works and how he responds during different um, exercise intensities and different training sessions. And what can we do to really make Brad even better of a fighter and make this whole process even easier? So, yeah, we've got a lot of data. He takes up a bit of uh, space on the spreadsheets as well. But um, yeah, I think me and Brad have really got this camp down pat. Like, I'm really excited to see how he went. He kind of says that he um, it was a bit different coming down that weight and then coming back up and carrying himself was a, a little bit of a challenge. So we've really worked on that with his strength coach, um, Andrew Wood from Tiger Muay Thai. Mm -hmm. And Woody's put a phenomenal program in and a lot of good work with Brad. So I'm really excited to see how he holds himself in this fight. I'm really, really excited. He's Out of all the guys, he's probably tracking the best out of them, which is um, it's not surprising to me, but some people might see it surprising. Do you think he's he's more powerful and, 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 and hitting harder? Is that something that can be the result of what you and uh, the strength coach is doing right now? Yeah, yeah. It's funny, right? Because like, 
Brad's um, approach it was all about like keeping, maintaining, putting on a bit of strength. And what we actually wanted to do was put on a little bit of body fat while we're doing that. So you had this period where you're getting these extra calories in and he really made the most of that during his strength training. And that's kind of paid dividends when we've come down instead of like coming down from here and then going down and getting too low, we've kind of started up here, but we had this period where we were getting like quite a lot of calories in and quite a lot of good carbohydrates and Woody really took that into account. And yeah, Brad is a, let's just say I wouldn't want to be getting punched in the face by him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people are expecting a lot out of Brad. Um, They're expecting a lot out of everybody, but you know, Brad, everybody in from the area, from New Zealand, Australia, just Asia in general, um, they're all expecting big things out of Brad. And I think Brad's expecting, he puts a lot of pressure on himself to be a a top five guy in the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. But I think um, Brad's just one of those guys. It's like all those guys at City Kickboxing. I think when you're there and I've taken a couple guys from my team because I've kind of described what that environment is like to them and how Eugene kind of leads from the front and how that whole environment just so conducive to success. And I I think unless you've seen it and you've been in there, you don't, really understand but it is it's like everyone in that gym probably has the potential to do something extremely cool with their career and be extremely successful and i think that really trickles down from like eugene and the top guys like israel and dan and you know brad and kai and it's just like a flow-on effect but i think brad yeah he has a lot of potential to go really far in that division it would be um he's just he's a I kind of say they're all like a different slice of bread. I think they're just all getting made at a different bakery, to be honest, to the rest of the guys in the UFC. Do you feel that the the mentality that City Kickboxing has in general, like most of the fighters have like that, Eugene leads and and he leads by example and, and has them disciplined to the point where everything else is disciplined and it makes your job somewhat easy for those fight, you know, working with those fighters from that camp. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, I think it, like, they're all disciplined, don't get me wrong. I think it's just, there's a lot of things about them. Like, I think that through their training, and if you can hack it at City Kickboxing and and keep up with the volume of training and the intensity of that training, I think you're probably in that top 1% of fighters anyway. I think a lot of people go through the doors and get a couple weeks in there and think, oh, wow, like, this is a bit too much. But, to be honest, like, and I, obviously I'm, I'm kind of biased. I have a lot to do with city kickboxing, but I, I've seen lots of other gyms around the world and it's a special place. Like the way Eugene runs that ship is very, very special. And like, it makes my job very easy because the way they train, whether Eugene realize it or not, like whether he's doing it, like physiologically, the way he trains those guys is almost like perfect to a T how you should be training an elite combat athlete. So it makes my job when I'm trying to fuel them as elite combat athletes, very, very easy. So yeah, it's a very, um, very interesting place, but yeah, very, very powerful environment to be in. Another guy you're working with, um, and in the same division, lightweight, but a totally different body type is Dan Hooker. Um, Dan is long, tall, lean, um, like explain working with him and, and like the type of adjustments you had to make for his his diet uh yeah so dan like is super good with his diet like dan doesn't really cut a lot of weight he's kind of like when i talk to people about making weight like I, i'm doing like some seminars at the moment dan's like the pinup boy of how you should make weight and he does it really well like i only really jump in at fight week for dan and just make sure that this lasts a little bit because he's all over it like and he's a professional about it he's um he's lean all year round too he doesn't really blow up too much 
and he's always in good shape. And um, like we get all the boys to do scanning every week, like body composition scan. And when Dan sends me through, it's like, wow, man, this guy is like such a professional. It's like where he is, is like, he's always ahead of schedule and he's always kind of at that peak performance body composition that we would like. So when it comes time to fight camp, he just makes a couple of switches on his own. And then yeah, I kind of just help him out during fight week. And even that process, Dan is really efficient to work with. But yeah, like you said, his, his body type is just, he's a he's an animal to be honest, but he just gets that weight down. But he, there's not a lot of sacrifices for him because he's so smart and so strategic and he looks after himself all year round that that weight making process isn't really a big deal for him. So, and I think, you know, it's paying dividends. Like he's, he's on a bit of a stretch. All right, without saying any names because you've worked with a lot of people and we've talked about guys that are easy to work with give me an episode of where a guy was very difficult to work with and, uh, you know a story without no names oh man they're difficult to work i've definitely had guys that are like lots of people so i do like the way i structure it right is like there's certain knowns within like the human body and you can make pretty good estimates like you get all this data it's like i give all my guys like weight trackers it's like theoretically like by this time by eating this much with that training you should be hitting these numbers and then actually as i'm saying this i've got the story i want to tell you like it, it, you hit these numbers right and then um like by fight week there's like i have a set rule that you have to be a certain percent out or it's like it's a no-go like i'm just not i'm calling your promoter I'm, I'm cutting it off i was working with this one guy and he was uh i think it was his pro day oh he had a few pro fights actually for a, for a local card and Every week I'd message him, every week, hey man, like what's going on? Like bang, give him a call, get on the phone with him. Yeah, yeah, it's all going well, like training's great. Uh, I knew a couple of his training partners as well, so I'd like check in with them, be like, how's he going? Like talk to his coach, he was going really well. Tell me these numbers, and I was like, man, this guy's like really killing. I was like, man, like let me know, keep anything you need, like let me know, otherwise you're smashing it, these numbers are going great. I remember I had, a, we were making weight with a couple of guys, I had two guys to do in the morning, I had a bath to do, I jumped in the sauna with another guy, weigh-ins for this particular show were at about 6 p.m. and I, I got to this guy about 2 p.m. in the afternoon so we had we had um, a fair bit of time but I had just done two not big weight cuts but like you're in a sauna you're sweating like I wasn't feeling 100 went in this place and I was like hey man like let's get started he was already in there I was like hey bro let's just check your weight really quick and I remember him coming out and stepping on the scale this was like so he had a number to reach at fight week and then I had a number that he had to reach the day of day of mm -hmm. the fight and every single day he was telling me he was hitting the right numbers when we got into this day before he was like as we were starting this um final weight descent he was the number he was meant to be fight week and then i found out like every single week before he was like four or five kilos heavier than what he was he's like oh man i just thought it was going to come off and i've never seen like it was horrible i've actually I, I, funny enough i found a photo because i saw him like when he was on the, he, he went on the bike and did all this stuff. And I ended up just calling the promoter and I was like, Hey man, like I'm calling it. I'm bringing this guy in. Like you need to sit down and have a chat there. I think he ended up missing weight by five kilos, but he was like all in total. He told me he was six kilos lighter than what he was. And he, his plan was to like cut it before I got there. So he came, went to the sauna a little earlier <laughs> to cut the weight. So before I'd got there, he'd like cut four kilos or something like that. And I was like, man, what the heck? That was probably the worst one and the most frustrating because he just, every week was just like i thought he was on track but i guess he, he absolutely wasn't and that was that's a little embarrassing when you rock up to i knew the promoter quite well and rocked up and said hey here's this guy who's five kilos overweight and they were pretty sure it was for a championship belt as well so 
that was that was a little difficult. Never again, though. Well, you know that could actually turn into a dangerous situation if you weren't there. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. he would have just went on and cut everything, and that could have yeah. been could have had some and, you know, and that, grave consequences. Absolutely. And that's kind of what I sat down and said to him. And I said, man, if we're ever going to work together again, that's an absolute no, no, because like the number that he was trying to cut on this last day was just ridiculous. Like, and even if he did manage to get there, like if he was on that weight, when I got there, like, you'd know straight away that he, he'd done that because like you take his blood pressure, you take his pulse oximeter, you measure all, take all these measures. It just gets dangerous. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's what it says to me. It's like concerning. It's like, he's a big guy. It's like we're in a commercial gym setting. And it's like, man, that's just ridiculous. Like we set these numbers and we set these parameters for a reason. It's like we have to keep you safe. Like that's always my first priority. It's like I'm a trained health professional. Like first rule of the company is short and long-term health of your client. Performance comes second. So it's like, yeah, that that was as frustrating as it was, as, uh, as annoying as it was, it was a really good learning curve for me as a practitioner and the way I dealt with guys and the way that I check in. Now I make them send me photos of scales to make sure that they're not <laughs> fine. But um, that was, yeah, that was an interesting one. Definitely. Now, you know, yeah, after this week, you have uh, a couple of fighters on the local scene in New Zealand and Australia. Um, what else do you have in the works? Do you have, are you doing a, a lot more seminars uh, around Australia? Are you gonna make some visits to uh, other locations around the world? What is the plan for the next maybe uh, six months or so? Uh, next six months, at the moment we're doing um, our New Zealand seminar tour, which is really cool. It's been, um, we've been getting a lot of good feedback and a lot of gyms jumping in on that, which is cool. So the whole idea behind that is that New Zealand has given me so much in opportunity for my career and I fail. I, I came to New Zealand something like eight times last year or something, and I just hang out in this little bubble and this little tiny bubble in Auckland, and I don't really get to see too much of it. But what my what I envisioned with this was going around and spreading this information to all parts of New Zealand because New Zealand as a whole, as a country, is a is leading the way in combat sports, and there's a lot of guys who are doing a lot of big things, not just in this little bubble in Auckland. So I thought. What better way to go out and actually see the the country, the beautiful countryside, and then you know get to educate guys. So a lot of guys have jumped on. We we did a couple up on the North Shore. We're doing a couple around Auckland, and then we're heading down south and doing all of that. I want to run the exact same thing in Australia. There's been a lot of interest. I want to do a big trip from East Coast down across the bottom and then back up. And yeah, really, the next six months for me is a lot of education. I I just um presented for the WA Combat Commission and you know we've made a lot of good progress and hopefully we can get something going with the Combat Commission down in Melbourne but um, yeah me and the team have a lot of big plans around educating and kind of releasing formats with the right bodies and you know we currently work pretty closely with the UFCPI and there's a lot of other those research groups that I spoke about and we're all kind of talking about okay how do we we all have this great information it's all inside our noggins and we all talk about it but how do we get it out to the to the guys that really need it? How do we get it out to the coaches so that they can use it? So it's really cool. So it's um, education is a really big one. Um, events wise, yeah, we've got um, we've got uh, quite a quite a few guys yeah fighting. We've got Case Diego, a uh, bunch of guys fighting on local cards. Um, there are rumors that um, UFC is going to be going back to uh, Australia in June. And I think, um, yeah, our mate Volk will be fighting on that. I won't say too much more about that because I don't know how much trouble I'll get in. But, you know, uh, everybody, those things coming everybody's up. saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. So we got that. And then, yeah, lots happening. I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to – I don't like to think too far ahead. 
Mm. We plan ahead, but then focus on what's happening. Otherwise, you get a bit too distracted from the task that's in front of you. Definitely, man. Well, Jordy, I'm, I really appreciate the time, man. I know this week is going to be very hectic, and right now you're probably organizing everything, so everything runs like a smooth ship. I'm glad you got your ship. You're the captain of it, and, and it's sailing smoothly through the ocean. I'm just wondering, the next time I talk to you, maybe you'll be sitting in your office in some high-rise building telling me, like, you know, who you're, who you're, who you're doing your diet for this time, some multi-billionaire uh-huh. or something like that. I don't know. Oh, maybe I actually I actually have an office, um, but I never go there to be honest. I just I can't justify driving in traffic. I can't do it. And to be honest, I kind of like I feel like people look at what I do and they they think it might be like a really big extravagant setup, but it's really just me on my laptop sitting in my home office, like at my at my workbench and just doing that. But I don't know, man. Like I, I think it's good. I think it's 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 definitely cool how much it's grown. I I really appreciate all the, like. The support we get and i think that's the thing that's kind of surprised me the most is that i originally thought we'd be met with a lot of resistance from coaches and, and athletes but i think i've got such a good team around me that are all very personable and, and are all very well educated themselves and we kind of get along with everyone so it's like we can just really push this um information out so who knows maybe in 12 months we will be we'll be talking from a high-rise office or we'll be talking from i don't know maybe we'll be in seoul who knows what's happening exactly man um appreciate the time man and uh yeah good luck to you man and everything you're doing uh you're spreading the word and and i always support that and i always support anybody that's uh spreading positivity and that's what you're doing right now and uh yeah man thanks so thank you so much yeah yeah, of course man thanks for having me on maybe we'll make it a third time sometime soon (laughs) 